are listening to Up To Me Radio, the best in inspirational talk radio. It's up to me. Michelle Bolden, and I'm your host for our episode of Call for Caring on Purpose podcast. We're going to journey through caregiving together. The goal of the Call for Caring on Purpose podcast is to educate, elevate, and empower caregivers during their caregiver journey. Our initial episodes will lead us to our third annual Atlanta Family Caregiver Expo on Saturday, November the 20th. We'll provide more details at the end of the podcast today. So our topic today is continuing in our series as we talk about planning the caregiver journey. Today, we're going to talk about Medicaid and Medicare services. So our episode is going to be packed with lots of resources on what's considered to be public health insurance. And so I would like to start our discussion regarding Medicaid with Connie Cooper. She's the community relations representative from Pruitt Health, one of the case management companies for Georgia's elderly and disabled waiver program. Welcome, Connie. Good morning, Michelle. How are you? I'm well. We're excited to have you. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here too. Awesome. So can you share a little bit about your background and then your current work um, with CCSP and source programs? Well, my background, I've had an extensive background in the Medicaid world, so to speak. Um, I've worked on all sides of the Medicaid waiver program, both as a provider, where we actually provided the in-home care. And now um, I have gone up to, I've actually worked to the, with the state as well, doing assessments for the program and uh, working for a local area agency on aging. Uh, I am currently, as you said, a certain uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I am currently a community relations rep. And really what we do is more education. Sometimes people will refer to us as marketers, but we really are about sharing the program and trying to find assistance for people who need it. Okay. Um, I'm also a certified dementia practitioner and recently certified as an at-risk adult crime tactics specialist. And so I'm looking forward to what I'm going to be able to do with that as well. Wow. So you have to share a little bit more about those new terms for us a little bit later. So um, I do want to start with um, CCSP. And so as I mentioned that these are elderly and disabled waiver programs. And so first, can you tell us what is CCSP? CCSP is um, an abbreviation for Community Care Services Program. Uh, And what Community Care Services Program is, is a Medicaid waiver program. Uh, It's the same thing really as the source program as far as care goes, but there's a financial difference. With Community Care Services Program, it is a, you have to be, um, you have to apply for Medicaid and you have to be approved for Medicaid to be on that or you have to have the QMB portion of Medicare to be able to qualify for it financially. If your income is higher than 794 a month, 
under community care, then you are in, able to um, provide a cost share, which would be anything over and above the $794 limit. And so having said all of that, essentially that is the only difference. They both provide the same types of care, such as housekeeping tasks. They can provide the personal support services, bathing, uh, assisting with bathing, running errands for them, doing laundry. Um, some can tr provide transportation if the agency that is being hired to provide the care will allow that. Um, and, and a lot of them are doing that now because it's such a need. Mm -hmm. So they're there kind of to be an extension of the family. They can monitor someone taking their medications, but they cannot give it. They're not a, a licensed personnel, and so therefore they can't be responsible for setting up medications or giving medications. But they can monitor and mark down that, you know, Mrs. Jones took her medicine this morning. So, so and that, I just want to clarify a couple of terms as we uh -huh. move, move forward. So QMB, can you share a little bit about that term? You mentioned that before. Mm -hmm. QMB is a qualified Medicare beneficiary. And what that means simply is that they're already on Medicare. Their income is a little too high to qualify under the $794 limit. And so therefore they can um, use this QMB to pay for like their premiums and that sort of thing. Um, so it, it helps to spend down some of that money, but QMB can be converted to CCSP Medicaid. So okay. that allows them to, that, that does allow them, but let me add a disclaimer here, because it does allow them to get care under CCSP with the QMB piece. However, um, there, is, there is still a cost share, and whatever they make over and above $794 is what the cost share would be. Okay. And there's different, different things that they can do. Uh, you know, at the the office level as far as approval, um, but it's essentially that's going to be the the uh, case scenario for all of it, whether it's CCSP or source. Okay, with CCSP, um, you mentioned about the seven hundred and ninety four dollars of income per month, right. right? And so, does that just include? income you get from social security does it include if i have a part-time job does it include all of my assets no that includes your that is your income per month mm -hmm. and it's based off of the ssi disability rate okay and so that's why they have to um and when we get to the source part of the program then i'll, I'll explain that as well but that's really the only difference between the ccsp and source as far as what they can provide Okay. It's just that CCSP can offer the cost share piece of it so that they can qualify for the care, which is far cheaper and less expensive than if you're um, applying for private pay services. Right. So with the CCSP program, you mentioned all the things that an aide can do, and those aides can be there for a period of time. So it's, it's not someone who's just coming in and giving a bath and doing a couple of things and leaving. Leaving, they could be there for four, five, seven, eight hours based yeah. upon that qualification. Exactly. And so the qualification, that's one of the key points is the medical necessity, correct? Right, and their functionality, um, because you will find people who have diabetes and hypertension, and oftentimes when we receive referrals, 
we get that referral that says that on it. If they're not having an issue with diabetes and hypertension, they're usually not going to meet functional need. Um, if they have neuropathy, if they've had a stroke, you know, because of the high blood pressure and they're limited on what they can do with their, their limbs, um, any type of paralysis in their limbs, that kind of thing, then, you know, they can qualify on those types of diagnoses. So we don't even, we, it's really not based on what their diagnosis is. It's based on the fact that they really do have a functional need and require somebody, such as Alzheimer's or dementia, they're not safe to be left alone at certain stages. Right. So that would automatically qualify them, even if they don't really even need assistance with bathing or some of those other things, they have to be, they can't be left alone. Okay. So it becomes a safety risk. Okay. And so, and we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about eligibility but as people kind of think about it's the financial, there's a medical necessity piece that's involved, but as you mentioned, it's more functionality and we'll get to that in a little more detail. Um, and so um, with the CCSP program, there is a case manager who helps to come out and helps you with those questions about finances and things of that sort. So if I were potentially in need of those services and my I live with my daughter who makes a lot of money, but I don't. Does that impact my decision about the $794 a month? No, that won't affect your um, decision because they're going to base the financial piece solely on you. Okay. Uh, if you're the one who requires the help, okay. it's solely your income. Okay, great. So then let's talk a little bit about source as well. Well, source, as I said, is essentially as far as care, as far as the state regulations, um, same type of program. Uh, the only difference there is that they, they have to be on SSI disability. And so the SSI disability will automatically be $794 a month or whatever the rate is for that time that they come on board with that service or with, you know, with that program. So um they can get the same types of care. They still have to meet the functional test and the functional needs. They still have to, um, you know, have just cause for them to be on the program. Same type of regulations that you find with CCSP. It's just that they're, the way that they get their income is differently. So they won't ever be able to do like a cost share. And at this time, they're not really doing that, but they have looked at that in the, in the, past about uh, converging the two programs together okay. so that and making it one program but they've been talking about that for a little while and they've not done it yet so I'm sure at some point they probably will okay. but right now that's the difference in both okay. programs okay and so with the cost share and that's kind of what we would consider you know a deductible of your portion of the cost so like when you go to the doctor's office you may have to put up twenty dollars and so the right. same thing with this care you may pay a hundred dollars for example but that certainly is better than paying hundreds of thousands of dollars a month for care versus what you would with a cost share so there still is a lot of benefit to it even though we have to pay a sure. little bit and you're allowed on both programs to have um, they sometimes will start with two hours a couple of times a week, um, and then they can increase those hours and, and they can get as many as 40 hours a week. So 
if you figured 40 hours a week, if they needed that type of care mm -hmm. times 20 to $25 an hour for private pay, mm -hmm. um, uh, there's unfortunately a lot of people can't afford that. And so, uh, and I did private pay along with the other programs and um, definitely was needed. But that's, if you ask somebody that's on a, a fixed income, you know, to be able to do that, they might be able to do a couple of hours, maybe a, a couple of times a month, but not, right. you know, not to really meet their needs for, for the care they need. That's right. So let's talk a little bit more about the eligibility requirements for this program. So we kind of talked about the financial piece because those that's what kind of determines between the, the difference between the two programs. And we talked a little bit about functionality. Can you identify a little more detail about what makes someone eligible for this program? We've met the financial criteria. Now, what other criteria do we need to meet? Well, one of the things that um, any type of physical disability where they're not able to really get around or get around safely because, say, they're a high risk for falls um, with the memory losses we talked about or with, you know, Alzheimer's or dementia where they can't be left alone then for any length of time, then that would require somebody to be there. So that would meet functional need. Um, if they've had a stroke and they have residual effects from it, you know, right side, left side, if it's, you know, in the legs or in the limbs, but yet it causes them to not be able to ambulate by themselves or, um, you know, where they have to, for instance, try, they can't feed themselves because they have too much weakness, they can't dress themselves. So those are the types of things if you think of what your activities of daily living are, uh, if they need meal preparation, that, that sort of thing. Um, and it's amazing people who really do have a functional need, how many times they'll say, well, I do my own laundry and you can, and then they'll say, and you ask them how, and they say, well, I, I sit a stool over there by the washer and dryer. And I just, <laughs> so, you, you know, you have to listen to what they're telling you. And sometimes yeah. when they're swearing, they can do it. They really can't. So right. they're altering a lot of general things, standard practice in order to be able to do it. Absolutely. Uh, and the other things that I, I often tell the families when we talk about, you know, are you eligible for this program? When we talk about their functionality or their ability to do things, the family member who we often speak to says, oh no, you know, they don't need help with their laundry or getting a bath because I do all of that. And I have to remind them, okay, so that means they need help, right? So you have to visualize it as though they're doing it themselves. You're not in the room. It's only them. Would they be able to function to, to put their clothes on, to give themselves a bath, to comb their hair. And if the answer is no, that means they need help, right? And so for the family caregiver, we have to remember you want to take yourself out of the picture as though they're there by themselves. And that's how you explain their abilities to do things or not to be able to do things. And they don't, you know, um, sometimes, unfortunately, there have even been, um, you know, professionals who will look at, well, they've got family in the home. But is that family really providing the care, number one? And number two, is the family able, if they're working full-time hours and then they're having to come home, and this is my advocacy for caregivers, so um, 
I promise not to go on and on, but you know, they, they oftentimes will, because they think mama took care of me, daddy took care of me. I need to do the same. Now I wish I could say that they were all that way. Unfortunately, they're not. However, those that really love mama and daddy they're they want to to take care of them and they don't even see and realize that they're burning out which is going to take them out of that that position of caregiving and then what are they going to do right so yeah that that's and that's one of the reasons why we're doing this because we want family caregivers to know that they're not alone that you don't have to do it all by yourself there is help So for me, when there's someone available to take care of your loved one, then you have that time to spend quality time with that person. You're not worried about the technical things and this and this, you just enjoy them as mom or dad or sister or brother or whatever that relationship may be. Um, So let's talk a little bit about any other programs, uh, Medicaid programs that may be out there that help support the family caregiver. There are other programs, obviously, um, out there, but they, they all serve different functions. Um, one of the programs is the um, ICWP waiver, which is, it means independent comp waiver program. And those programs, that particular program is for um, like catastrophic type injuries, such as a traumatic brain injury, maybe they've had a horrible accident or um, somewhere, you know, where they just have no function. So the injuries are much more severe. It does, the the aides that come in have to be trained in certain things to be able to go in to do it, but it's essentially the same. It is paid for through the a government waiver. And so that's how they can ap- apply for it, going through the state, just like they would CCSP or source. Um, another uh, program is now comp waiver, and it's a support program for those with intellectual or developmental delays. And, you know, people will send us, for instance, they'll send to source or CCSP a, a client that they're referring and the person is dealing with developmental delay type if issues. And when they are, they don't understand or the family member doesn't understand. Well, why can't you? They, they can't take care of themselves. They're not able to bathe. They're not able to do this. Why can't you take care of them under your program? Mm-hmm. Because those programs, they take a while sometimes to get on the program because there's so much need for them. But each waiver has a pot of money that is given to them. And in that pot of money, they have to use that money for those people who actually qualify for that particular program with their needs. And so these two programs have their pots of money. And when you send in a referral and try to, and I have done it, you know, try to get them approved because I I see the functional need there. Um, they tend to lead, lean more heavily to the other side of what their their concerns are. And so therefore, they just they really want them to stay within their programs so that that way, whatever money is in each pot is being used appropriately. Okay, so that somebody who needs CCSP won't get denied, because we gave it to somebody that would qualify for ICWP or now comp. Okay, that's okay. That's great. Um now, if I, you re- mentioned about the referral, you want to send in a referral if it's denied or approved. So if I'm sitting here listening and thinking, it sounds like I might, my family member might be eligible for this program. How mm-hmm. do I determine if we are eligible or not for these programs? 
Well, you can you can go to the uh, website and for each program and look at what their requirements are and their um, you know what they're going to look at and say, okay, this this is going to get you through and this isn't. Um, you can contact somebody like myself um, who does this on a routine basis, and we what we do is we educate the community as to what they need to send us. And then we follow up with the family. We make sure that there's, you know, if there's other issues and concerns that we know what those are. And honestly, I think one of the problems, and, and if I might take just a moment here, I'll be quick. But one of the problems that we see is that not everybody assesses a client as the same. Um, and so when, when you get to that, sometimes if you're not asking the right questions and you're not giving them the time to answer or you're not leading them into that, and I'm not saying lead them into what you want them to say, but listening for what they're telling you. Um, I've had people say to me, oh, no, honey, I do fine. I've not had any falls. I've not this. I've not that. And then two seconds later, they share with me how, Lord, honey, I fell down the steps backwards the other day and about busted my brains out. I mean, and I'm, I'm, right. I'm totally paraphrasing what they said and repeating it the way they said it. Right. But, you know, they when they're not expecting it and they're given the time to you know, unload whatever they're thinking, they'll, they'll tell on themselves about what they need. Right. Uh, and so, uh, and then other things are sometimes families get involved. And as much as I hate to say this, it's the truth. Um, a family member may, you know, they want the care of the person who's asking for it, wants the care. And when it comes time to contact them, the family becomes very defensive and says, I'm taking care of mama. I don't need you. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. That should send up a red flag. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, and so we were mentioned ways in order they can become eligible. So there's also like a, a general number that they can call as well to kind of get that information, um, like through age wise. Mm -hmm. You go, you, all you have to do is go to the web and type in, um, Medicaid waiver programs, and it'll pull all of them up. But you can also go to georgia.gov and then, you know, go under where the Medicaid programs are. It will give you a fact sheet. It will give you all the information um, that you could possibly want. Um, one of the things that I make available and anybody that would like to, uh, and I'm not sure how you will, how they contact you, Michelle, but I have folders that I've already put together with all these different resources and I'm more than willing to pass them on to somebody if they have a, a need for one or if they would like one. Okay. I can do it by email, you know, and just send it or um, make it available, you know, to them personally. But so that's just something, you know, an option. But you can find out all of this information on the web. So some of our listeners may not be as web savvy and kind of like yeah. to listen to a voice. So um, generally the, like an empower line or age wise mm -hmm. um, can provide that information as, as well. And 404-463-3333 is generally another way that they can kind of talk to someone as well. Um, so that's, that's always good to kind of give them options of, you know, to figure out how to best communicate with someone. Um, and so tell me a little bit about your personal journey and maybe how that has impacted the work that you do now. Well, uh, you know, I've tell people all the time that I have been a, a caregiver all of my life. Um, I started caregiving at 
nine years old. My mother worked full time. Her and my dad um, were on the verge of divorce from about that time and ended up in divorce. I had um, I had one brother and five sisters. And so at that time, there was only four of us when I began. But I continued through the age of 16 um, doing that. And um, and then I ran away from home, actually, um, because I just it was in a place where it was too much on me and some things happened. And I don't say that to be telling a sad story, but that is actually truly what caused me to want to be a caregiver because I know the burden that it causes on others. Mm-hmm. I even tried with the elderly people in my in my neighborhood, even though I was responsible for my brother and sisters, I would go out and, and talk to my elderly neighbors and they would send me on errands and, you know, I would do things for them, sweep their floor or um, so I feel like I've been a, a caregiver all of my life. I had a children's home for a time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, I feel like I raised half of Georgia. And <laughs> I think I've always just been meant to be a caregiver and uh, have a real passion for it. So uh, it's, and- it's amazing sometimes how um, our journeys began to take us where we are now, not knowing that's what we were at the time was a caregiver. We're naming it. And I think it's just so important to do that because when we name it, we allow for us to give ourselves permission to kind of absorb the good, the bad and the ugly of it. And then also to realize that I, I really can't do it by myself because there's, you know, it's just a lot for one person. And so um, that's generally we'll ask, well, what is a caregiver? Because everyone defines it differently. And I think when we call it what it is, then we're able to absorb those resources, get the help, and it could be a much happier journey for you and the person you're caring for. So we talk about impact and where we are. How has the pandemic impacted your ability to deliver the model waiver programs or the help manage those programs? Well, it's the positive side of it, if you can say there's anything positive about the pandemic, um, was that we used our phones a whole lot more. And because we weren't on the road, we spent more time talking with people. Um, We could spend time virtually talking to them where they had that one-on-one assistance. And uh, amazingly enough, you know, we think about the family caregiver all the time, but those of us who are in caregiving as nurses and, you know, um, case managers and things like that, social workers, we are providing care on it, especially during this pandemic, like at just (laughs) enormous levels. Mm -hmm. And so, Being able to really spend the time to help somebody get through a burnout, to help somebody, um, that was a tremendous blessing, you know, to us to be able to do that. But we've found caregivers that are completely and totally burned out. I mean, I, I had a lady that screamed at me for an hour and a half on the phone one day because she was so burned out. She just couldn't handle it anymore. Right. And, uh, she said, honey, I'm so, so sorry. She realized she and I said, you're fine. You, if you need to continue, go right ahead. <laughs> because that sometimes they just need to be heard. Right, right. And, you know, when you're trying to solve the problem for them, instead of letting them tell you what the problem is, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't give them that out to, to really 
let it all out and get rid of it so that they right. feel better. So I guess that did kind of help with the one-on-one and being able to spend yeah. a little more time with people. Um, you know, there were some things that came out of the pandemic that hopefully we'll be able to continue when we talk about that one-on-one and that communication. Um, for our listeners who may not be residents of Georgia, would you say most states have a comparative program um, such as the, one, the programs we have here? They do. And just to, uh, and again, everything is on the web. So um, if they have to find, um, and I say this, and as I'm saying it, I'm thinking, but they may not have that person. <laughs> but if they have a person that can assist them to go to that state um, that they're in to look up, it's usually some kind of an area agency on aging or an aging office, um, even if they simply type in, you know, assistance and care for the elderly and disabled, it'll just start shooting all kinds of things up for them. So um, there are programs in each state, but they may, you know, do things, well, they do things differently in a lot of states. I know Florida is different from Georgia and Tennessee is different from Georgia. And so, uh, but there are programs out there. It's just a matter of being able to research them and find them. Mm-hmm. And often there's a division of aging that, you know, that's a good start right. for your state as well to kind of see what type of waiver programs may, that may be available. Yeah. Um, what are two actions you recommend that our family caregivers take immediately after listening to this podcast? Well, <laughs> one I would say absolutely is to, um, is to look for just what we're talking about. Go ahead and find out now, even if your loved one is not in need of care, even if you don't have anybody at all that you think is going to need care and it may happen to you, go ahead and research those programs that are out there and find out, get to the bottom and find out who that person is that needs to be the first person that you call. Most of the time, if you get in touch with the Division of Aging, as you said, Michelle, the Area Agency on Aging, um, those groups like that, then they will have uh, the whole gambit of what you need to do or can do and to be able to tell you where to go. So if you already know that up front and then you know what's out there and available to you, you're going to be way ahead of the game because when you're in a crisis situation, you're not thinking and you don't even know where to begin. Even if somebody has taught you or told you something um, right now, it's you that's in need. So, you know, getting in touch with those agencies and getting the information put together a folder so that you can go back to it, because even as times change, and say it's de- much further down the road, that's still going to be probably the Department of Aging that you're going to go to or the Area Agency on Aging. And those programs will continue as long as there's funding for them. Right. Uh, so I would say definitely, you know, that being one, if you have somebody and people don't realize this, if you have someone who has had a disability, Say, for instance, they had a car wreck or an accident when they were in their 30s. Now they're in their 60s. They can't um, they can't go on SSI disability now. They have to apply for Medicaid. However, if they if they should, if they are actually disabled, they have to apply for that disability before they can be uh, considered for Medicaid. 
So making sure if you have somebody who is disabled, that that program is applied for. Um, even if the, the money is not needed, um, even if, if you don't need the care right now, you can still apply for their disability. And if they're only bringing in 400 a month, then why not let them bring in you know, the other 374 or 94, um, whatever, whatever the, the income is at that time, allow them to bring that in. And then they're already approved for, for disability. So when the time comes that they might have to apply for Medicaid, they're all ready to go and they can apply for that Medicaid. Um, and so that's, that would definitely be the two things that I would say, look at what their need is, as soon as something happens where it looks like you might have to have care and you don't even have to wait that long, you can go for all that information beforehand. Take your time, you know, and look through it and read it. Okay. Um, and so are there websites, phone numbers, social media that you recommend that listeners kind of follow to kind of keep up to date on Medicaid programs? There are. Um, and so one of them that I've listed here is um, I'm giving I'm giving out the actual the uh, web address, but it's https semicolon forward slash forward slash and it's carc.georgia.gov. The other one is www.paying for seniorcare.com. There's another one, www.medicaid.gov, which is in every state. Um, then there's georgiaoptions.org, aging.georgia.gov. Um, and then anybody that you know who works in this field, sit down, talk to them, find out how they can help you and assist you. Uh, and, I, you know, of course, I'm certainly available to help somebody if they need anything. Uh, I cover a third of the state of Georgia right now and, and um, helping to provide oversight across Georgia. So, um, so if they need to reach your organization, is there a website they can go to or a general <laughs> number that they can use? Mm-hmm. There's a um, the general website is www dot pruitthealth.com that would be the website um if they wanted to speak with me specifically it's c cooper at pruitthealth.com and the phone number is 470-330-1391 and then there are nine local offices in the state of georgia and each one has a different contact information so I would be more than glad if somebody needed that um, to get that those numbers and send them out to them by mail or by email. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Connie. We appreciate all the information. Um, Connie Cooper from Pruitt Health. Um, and so what we're going to do now is take a break um, with our sponsor. And then when we come back, we're going to transition to a discussion about Medicare and Medicare Advantage plans. So we'll be right back. Thank you. 
we would like to thank our sponsor, Home Helpers of North Atlanta. They are giving care the way you want to be cared for. You can schedule a free assessment at 404-624-4663. Welcome back. We want to thank our sponsor. We are now shifting gears from Medicaid to Medicare. So I would like to welcome our next guest, Callie Bradford of Cigna Medicare Advantage. Hi, Callie. Hi, Michelle. How are you today? I'm well. How are you? I am super fantastic. Thank you for asking. Awesome. So I'm so glad you're here to share your expertise about Medicare and Medicare Advantage plans. Mm -hmm. Um, So can you first start by sharing your background and your current work? Yes. So I, um, well, I currently work with Cigna Medicare Advantage. So All of my constituents are 65 or older or on Medicare disability. And um, let's see, I've been doing this now for a few years and I absolutely love it. I love helping seniors and um, uh, I'm here in Georgia. So that's always fun (laughs) with the nice weather that's like, you know, all year round, which is good. But I came here from Michigan, so I'm happy to be in Georgia. (laughs) And um, it's interesting, my background, though, because even though I've been working on the Medicare side within healthcare now for a couple of years, I actually worked in pharmaceuticals before Mm -hmm. this and uh, did a lot of work with Medicare and Medicare recipients at that point as well. And I did that for like 20 years. So, oh, wow. So now you're just in a different realm, but you're still helping our seniors um, and maybe disabled. So can you talk a little bit about... Medicare and what is the difference between Medicare and Medicaid? Because we just wrapped up this conversation about Medicaid. Yes. And the second question would be, can people have both? Yes. So that's a great question. So Medicaid is income-based and anybody can qualify for Medicaid if they meet certain income guidelines, right? So it's for anybody. The difference between Medicaid and Medicare is that Medicare is for seniors. So you have to be 65 or older. It's not based on your income at all. Uh, And so that is really the major difference. And to answer your question about can they have both, they absolutely can. But again, if you have both, you're either a senior, so 65 or older, or and or you meet the income requirements for Medicaid. And we call those people um, uh, Medi-Medi, meaning that they're on Medicare and Medicaid. And so Ah. I have lots of constituents that are actually on both because they meet both. I'm 65 and I meet the income requirements to be on Medicaid as well. Okay. So Mm -hmm. let's add a little piece to the Medicare in and talk about the Medicare Advantage plan and then how that differs from traditional Medicare. Oh, those are great questions. And a lot of times people get wrapped up and hooked up on that. That's why I tell people all the time, like, even if you're not 65, you need to start looking into this now. I don't care if you're 62 (laughs) to give yourself plenty of time to know the difference so you can understand and navigate. So the difference between a Medicare, so Medicare and B, they're all government-run programs through the Center for Medicare Services, right? Um, but the difference is Medicare A and B is for hospital and physician and uh, uh, prescription drug coverage. So and that's that would, consi- I'm sorry, Kelly, and that's considered traditional. That Medicare. is considered traditional Medicare. So okay. when you turn 65. If you have met the work requirements, I got to put that caveat, you qualify for both A and B. 
So that's the traditional Medicare. So automatically, normally your birthday is coming up, say your birthday, September 1st, your Medicare would kick in September 1st for you. Even if your birthday is September 21st, it'll still start September 1st. So the month you turn 65, that's when your Medicare automatically kicks in. And I do want to say this, if you've got people out there who say, you know, I'm, I'm turning 65 this month and I've not received my Medicare card yet, you just have to call the Social Security office um, and then get the information and tell them to send you your Medicare information. They'll send it expeditiously. Okay. So I did, I did want to throw that in there. And then- yes. Go ahead. You just mentioned about work requirements and if you meet the work requirements. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I do run into some people that unfortunately have not met the work requirements. So they only qualify for Medicare A, which is hospital. They don't qualify for B, which is the physician coverage. Right. So um, say I've worked for five years and took care of my family the rest of the time. I was a stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home parent these days, stay-at-home dad or mom. And I didn't work the entire time. So once you get 65, you will only qualify for Medicare A and not Medicare B because you didn't meet the requirements for working. And I think it's 10, 10, um, 10 segments is what they call it. And if you don't qualify for that because you haven't worked, then uh, you only get Medicare A, the traditional part of Medicare A, and then you got to figure out how you're going to get your physician coverage. So Affordable Care Act, something like that. But yeah, that was a good so question. So 10 segments, 10, a segment, is that a year? Since, yeah, 10 segments is a year. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I recently had this conversation with a relative who said that they had to go back and work another 12 months or something in order to be able to know that he could meet some standards. So that's good for people yeah, to know that it's not just age. Because we normally just think 65 and older, I'm getting Medicare and, and it's okay. But That's there right. is a work requirement that people need to know, even as they're planning. Absolutely. <laughs> to Medicare that to, you do have to have that work requirement. So that's you, key. You have to have it. And that's so key because I find quite a few of our seniors, because one reason or another, uh, they didn't work. They couldn't work because of an injury. They didn't qualify for disability at the time and they don't get their coverage that they need. So there's a huge gap, unfortunately, that people just don't realize that is there, especially with our seniors, because they need it. And some of them just don't qualify for it. So they're still going to the emergency rooms and things like that for care and not able to go to the doctor. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I know you were getting ready to go into the the other part of the Medicare Advantage plan. So I just yeah. needed that clarity. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. So the Medicare Advantage, I like to call it, and it's Part C. So if you see it, Medicare Advantage is, is actually known as Part C. So you've got Part A, you've got Part B, which is the physician and the hospital coverage. And then Medicare Advantage is also known as Part C. And I call it the one-stop shopping. So it's one-stop shop for everything that you need, meaning your physician coverage, your uh, specialist coverage. So say you've got a diabetes doctor that you need to go to, you get coverage for that. You also have chiropractor care underneath the Medicare Advantage plan. You also get vision. 
So each each Medicare company is a little bit different, but you everyone does have a vision benefit where you can get eyeglasses every year and also get your eyes checked. You also get hearing. Um, so there's, again, every company is different in terms of what they offer, but with the hearing benefit, it's traditionally every three years you will qualify for a hearing aid if you need it, but you can get your hearing checked free and they call that preventative like maintenance. And then, geez, just so many things. So uh, ambulance services. And then one of my favorites, because Michelle, you know, I'm very passionate and it's near and dear to my heart, health and wellness. So seniors can join a Medicare Advantage plan and join a fitness program. So, right, right. So they can go to like um, the YMCA if they either take silver sneakers or silver and fit is what they're called and or LA fitness, 24 seven fitness, any of the fitness centers, you just simply call them seniors and say, Hey, do you take silver and fit or silver sneakers? And they'll say, yes, come on by. And guess what? It's free. Awesome. Free is always good, right? We all like free. We all like free. Yeah. So that's not an additional cost to our seniors at all, which is great. And so some of the benefits that you mentioned, those would indirectly impact the family caregiver, but there are some things that under the Cigna Medicare Advantage programs, the general Medicare Advantage programs that are there to support the family caregiver. Yeah, so there are um, some things. So do you mean like if, I'm just going to use this as an example with my mom, she's got dementia and she needed uh, a personal care assistant. Is that what you mean to come in? Yeah, so all of the Medicare Advantage plans, they're the same in terms of it's like a short-term situation. And then you have to meet specific qualifications in terms of your ability to be able to care for yourself. And so then you will qualify for, and it just depends what your physician says. So if you go to the doctor, they say, yes, so-and-so has dementia or they're unable to care for themselves on a daily basis, meaning, you know, bathe, cook, clean, those kind of things. Then the doctor can write a prescription for you to get like two weeks of service and may even go up to 30 days of service through a Medicare Advantage plan. Okay. And so somewhere along like the lines of respite or something like that to give that person a break. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, but it's not long-term. So um, I just want people to be aware of that. It's not long-term. So you really, and I know you get into these things, um, Michelle, but you really have to think about, you know, in your younger days, getting like a long-term care policy or something like that. Or if you qualify for Medicaid, then you automatically would get a personal care assistant because that's how we were able to get it from my mom. She is a Medi-Medi, meaning Medicare and Medicaid recipient. So that means that she was able to get both. And under that Medicaid provision, she was able to get a personal care assistant for 20 hours a week. So would you say there's conversation about Medicare extending those to make it much more long-term than just, you know, a short-term two weeks, 30 days that the Advantage plans or CMS has not, there's some guidelines regarding making this much more of a um, support for these family caregivers because people want to stay home much more and they do better at home. The cost is less when they're at home. It's quality. I think everyone, it's it's a win-win. 
It is definitely a win-win. So um, yes, there's always a conversation every year when each of the Medicare companies look at the benefits that they're going to offer and whether or not it makes sense to offer those plans. And I'm with you, Michelle, it absolutely makes sense because again, what if you don't have Medicaid? What if you don't qualify for Medicaid? What if you're right on the cusp, right? So you can make $1,500 a month, which is not a whole lot, not be able to afford the out-of-pocket cost for a personal care assistant, and then you don't qualify for Medicaid either. So you're caught between, I like to say, a rock and a hard place at that point because you need it, but you don't have the resources to be able to get it. And so, yeah, we definitely have those conversations every year. But what I would say um, to your audience is that we really need uh, more legislation around it. And we also need people to advocate for it. So, you know, write letters to CMS, write letters to your individual Medicare company that you may be with, whether it's Cigna or Humana, Wellcare, whoever you're with, write letters and let them know that this is something that, that is needed. And it's definitely a huge gap for seniors. And I found that out only through my own personal situation with my mother. Right. And, you know, I, um, and so I'm hearing this call to action for our listeners. Yes, that is a call to to action. And to reach out to state, um, federal representatives and, um, you know, your Medicare insurance plans and, and talk about that, uh, you know, need that gap that's missing right now. Um, because we know we're not alone in this. It's so many people who are family caregivers. And while you may have prepared to save for yourself for a period of time, you know, those dollars can run out quickly um, if you have someone in your house every day or you need someone in your house every day. Most people want to be as dependent as possible or independent, I'm sorry, as possible for as long as possible. Um, And so, but sometimes we, we don't have a lot of choice with that. That's absolutely right. And that is an absolute call to action. So people feel like, you know, their hands are tied and nothing can be done. But, you know, I always say that there's power in numbers. So the more people that say, you know, this is what's happening, because at the end of the day, Michelle, as you very well know, you and I are in the trenches, right? We know exactly what's going on um, with the seniors, you know, from day to day. And then if you're sitting in an office somewhere, you may not realize, and it's no fault of theirs, They're just not as close to the customer as we are to know what the real issues are. Or maybe their parents haven't, you know, reached 65. So it's not even, you know, in their hemisphere of thought process, they're not even thinking about it. And so the more we're vocal, the better I think we'll, we'll be, because it definitely needs to change. I'm just going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) So now if they're interested in a Medicare Advantage plan, um, can someone just enroll at any time, just as long as they're over 65, kind of what does enrollment look like? Yeah, yeah. So there's lots of enrollment periods. (laughs) So the big one that most people know about is the enrollment period that starts October 15th through December 7th. So October 15th through December 7th, and I'm going to say this just one more time, Michelle, because I know that there are people out here that give misinformation. If you are a senior and on a Medicare Advantage plan, every single October 15th through December 7th, you can switch your Medicare plan to a plan that works best for you, okay? So just know that, just know that, and caregivers alike, they can switch, between those dates. So it's like a six week period. Now, after that, 
every quarter there is something called a special election period. And there's about 25 different ways that you would qualify for a special election period. And I'm just going to give you the most popular ones that I come across all the time. Number one is you're aging in to Medicare. So after December 7th, you're aging in in January, you can get into a Medicare Advantage plan. The other most popular one is if you're on Medicare and Medicaid, that also qualifies you for a special election period. And basically from January all the way through September, you can switch, but you have, you only can switch one time per quarter. Mm. So I'll say that again. So the special election period, if you're on Medicaid and Medicare, you can switch anytime from January through October, but you can only use your special election period for Medicare, Medicaid one time per quarter, one time per quarter. And then another popular one is say you've moved out of your service area. So say I'm living in Fulton County and I'm moving to Floyd County, you'll be able to switch. So there's lots of reasons to switch. Okay. And, and I'll just say um, there's a gentleman, because I want people to know this too, uh, that just uh, got out of, um, he was incarcerated and he turned 65. He's now 71 while he was incarcerated. And so now he qualifies for a Medicare Advantage plan. And I literally just met him. He, he got out in May. I just met him this month and we signed him up for Medicare mm. Advantage. Okay. So there, there's another reason. But like I said, there's about 25 special election periods that people can um, potentially utilize. I'll give you one more, um, Michelle, because it's relevant now. So the people in Louisiana, they call that a disaster special Mm. election period. So Mm. if your county or your state or your city declares like a state of emergency for Mm. weather related, so it's a hurricane, tornadoes sweep through your your city, God forbid, fires, all that kind of stuff that also qualifies you for a special election period. That's good to know because we're having so many natural disasters. It's just hard to keep up with them now. So it that is, could apply yeah. to anyone. That's so now can, can I switch from Medicare Advantage back to traditional and vice versa? Yes, you can. <laughs> yes, you can. So that, that's also a great question that people don't realize. So if you decide that Medicare Advantage is not for you, then you can switch back to your traditional Medicare. Really, all you have to do is call the Medicare office and let them know. I just want to go back to my traditional Medicare plan if you can't get in touch with the company that you've got the Advantage plan with. Okay, that's good to know. So that's at any time. And that's at any time. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Mm -hmm. Um, So you mentioned a little bit about your personal journey. I know we've shared our journeys a little bit. Can you kind of tell us how your personal journey has impacted the work you do now? Oh, wow. In so many ways. So I consider myself to be a compassionate, empathetic person Um, anyway, in spite of it all, right? But my mom was diagnosed with dementia right before covid happened and we kind of knew something was going on because she you know had some memory loss and you know eventually it just started to get really really bad where you know she would have more episodes than she wasn't having episodes so she got diagnosed with um through a, a MRI she got diagnosed 
with uh, dementia in a certain part of her brain. And um, with that being said, and then my mom's 74 on top of it. So (laughs) when I'm out in the field with people, it just makes me see them through a different lens. And I think of them as I would think of my own parent. I want them to be taken care of. I want them to get the things that they need for daily living to not just survive in this world to actually thrive. And it's interesting you asked me that because I was talking to a friend about this the other day, Michelle, and I was like, you know, people don't realize that there are a lot of people struggling, especially seniors, a lot of our seniors, and we don't hear about it in mainstream media. We're not hearing about it on social media. And so with that being said, I just want people to know we have to have compassion for our seniors because one day you're going to be a senior. Right. <laughs> We're all going to be seniors. Right. And think about think about it from this perspective. How would you want yourself to be treated or how would you want your parents to be treated? And so when I'm in the field, that's all I'm thinking about. I'm like, you know, Miss Susie, what can I do for you? You know, I'm looking at her plan. I'm like, Miss Susie, I'm not putting you in a plan unless it's going to be the best thing for you because I am not about that life. I want you to feel good about what it is that you're doing. And, and I offer them as much help as possible, even probably more so than a lot of different agents, just because I'm just that way. I'm like, you know, Miss Susie, put my number in your phone. If you call that 1-800 number, once you sign up for Medicare Advantage and they don't give you the help that you need, call me and I'm going to work on it for you. <laughs> you are absolutely passionate about what you do. and And that's one thing that I like about uh, this community of providers, because I do call it a community of people that we work with most often, is because yes. people are so compassionate, empathetic about it. And to be um, successful, meaning to improve the lives of other people, you have to be. Yes. Um, so I see that. And, and thank you for what you do, because this can be very confusing to people um, and also very impactful to them if they don't do it right. So yeah, I certainly appreciate that. And I know the impact of the pandemic has made some differences in how we do things. Um, mm-hmm. how, how has that impacted the way that Cigna services their members? Yeah. So, you know, Cigna came up with uh, quite a few novel things that they did early on. So number one, which I really loved, and I was part of this initiative, is that uh, we had something where we would call our current members just to check in on them. So we mm-hmm. call them check-in calls. We were just checking on them. We didn't want anything in particular just how are things going? Is there anything that we can do? Is there anything you need from Cigna? So we did that and we're still doing it to this day, but we started that during the pandemic. And then the other thing that we're doing was giving care packages to seniors and it's no obligation whatsoever. It was just, again, something that Cigna said, you know, we want to be able to provide this because we know there are a lot of seniors out there that are struggling. So say you can't get to the food pantry because you know, you don't have a vehicle or something happened during COVID where you just don't have the ability to get to the food pantry. So we would provide like essential items like paper towels and toilet paper, toothpaste, you know, soap, things like that, canned goods in some cases. And um, for me, I would even go to different food pantries. And if they had food left over, I say, you know what, I know Miss Susie needs you know, some food, like, do you mind if I take a box for her and I would go in and deliver it to her? So um, Cigna allows us the ability to do that, which I really appreciate about them because at Cigna, you know, people aren't just a number, they're actually people. And, you know, Cigna is there's a hashtag Cigna, Cigna cares. And it's very, very true. 
Very, very true. So that's kind of how we, we transition. And the other thing is we want to keep our seniors safe. So we, um, we won't go into people's homes. We'll either meet them at a coffee shop or, you know, come outside their home. I even carry my little lawn chair with me and I'll sit outside of their house with my little portable lawn chair. And, you know, we'll talk about their current benefits and what they've got and look at if Cigna could be a benefit for them. So that's another thing that we've done just to make sure that everybody's safe. We wear masks everywhere we go. Um, they're also requiring people to be vaccinated because again, we want to make sure that our seniors are safe as well. Right. And so I know there were some other activities that we've kind of talked about in the past with just the isolation, keeping them engaged, like the art yeah. contests and things of that sort. And yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yep. So we still have those things going. And even if you're not in an art contest, you can uh, just call and request and say, hey, can I get one of those senior coloring books? And we'll bring you one of the senior coloring books. And and the pencils, the colored pencils to go along with it. <laughs> nice. And, you know, um, just kind of thinking about some of the other support. Uh, what about meals? Which you mentioned about the pantry. Yeah. Is there any advantage to or the advantage plans to they help with any meals or people can get meals on wheels or you can connect with that? Yes. Yeah, so each each Medicare Advantage plan, the company is different in terms of who they may contract with. It may be meals on wheels. It may be a different company. But yes, that is a benefit under the, and that's another benefit of versus the traditional Medicare plans where you can actually get meals delivered to your home. So if you're in a hospital, um, there's a certain amount of time that you'll be able to get meals delivered. So you can make sure you stay healthy and you're able to eat, you know, um, uh, meals when you're at home recovering. So that's another thing. And then the other thing that plans are doing now too is offering uh, healthy food cards where mm-hmm. seniors can take, a, you know, it may be $50, it may be $75, something like that. They can take it and actually buy fresh fruit and vegetables with the food card. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay, great. great. Mm-hmm. And then there's one other thing that I wanted to mention too, that uh, if So like I said, Cigna is big and I know some of the other companies are too on prevention. So if you get your blood work done, so seniors go and get your blood pressure checked, make sure your heart is, you know, what your heart condition is, you know, get your diabetes checked, meaning your A1C, your blood sugar, and then Cigna will actually give you a $50 card for just doing that. Because again, prevention is critical. So we want to make sure that people are getting their numbers. Because if you don't get your numbers checked, you don't know where you are. And you don't know um, what measures, uh, your physician won't know what measures to take to be able to help you to, to, to feel better and get healthier. So. Absolutely. Great. Those are all great benefits. So if I'm not. And transportation. And transportation. Okay. That's right. Okay. Transportation. Um, and so if I'm not 65 now, but I'm approaching it in the next two, three, five years, um, what are some steps I should take to start kind of planning, looking at how to select the plan? Yeah. So if you go to um, Medicare, I think it's Medicare.gov, Medicare.gov, uh, you can even just Google Medicare or call your local social security office and they can lead you in the right direction. They will actually send you a big book that is complimentary all about Medicare, all about Medicare. And it's not any company specific, um, but it does give you the in-depth about Medicare. And then you can always call individual companies as well. And they'll send out um, like a kit with everything you need to know about Medicare and Medicare Advantage as well. 
Okay, great. So um, are these benefits just for Georgia? Does this apply to other states? Other yeah. states have different programs. In general, how, how does that look? Yeah, so every state is different in terms of what they offer, um, <laughs> which is also interesting to me. But anyway, every state is different in terms of what they offer. But I would say by and large, about 90% of what you get across the board is the same. It's just, you know, the amount of expenditure may be different. So your food card may be $100 in one area, it may be $50. Or your dental benefit may be 3500 and in another state, it could be 2500 So those are some of the, the differences that, but the overarching theme about what's included is probably the same, but just the expenditures for each of those particular areas is going to be different. Um, but in Georgia, by and large, all the plans are the same across the board with with the exception, again, of the expenditures attached to certain, um, say, dental. I'll use that as an example. Okay. So if you're on Medicare and Medicaid for Cigna, the dental benefit is $2,000. It doesn't matter what, what county you live in. That is it across the board if you're on Medicare and Medicaid. However, if you get into one of our other Medicare Advantage plans because you're not on Medicaid, then your benefit could be $1,000 or $1,500, depending upon your county. Okay. So that's all the reason why to just make sure you start doing your research early, be specific about the county that you live in. If you happen to switch counties because you were living alone and now you're going to live with your, um, your children or something like that, you want to make sure that you know uh, the differences between you know, the plans from, say, Fulton County to Cobb County. Right. Okay. So you've, gave, you've given a lot of great information. So if you could narrow it down to two immediate steps that people should take after listening to this podcast, what would it be? So two immediate steps. So if you're turning 65, get on a Medicare Advantage plan, because again, it gives you everything and it doesn't take the place of your Medicare, your traditional Medicare, because I feel seniors feel that like, oh, what's going to happen? And by and large, you're not going to have a, a, a copay or a deductible for the plan. So get in a Medicare Advantage plan because you're going to get all those benefits that you're not getting now with traditional Medicaid, Medicare. sorry. And then the other thing I would say is um, uh, AEP is coming up. So that's the annual election period that I talked about earlier between October 15th and December 7th. You need to start researching now, caregivers research now about the plans that are available. You can Google it, you can go online, you can even call individual company and say, can you send me a kit out so I can know what's available? And I need you to do a side-by-side um, assessment of what each company has, because again, it just depends on you. It depends on you know, if you go to a certain doctor and you love that doctor and you want to stick with that doctor, you know, one plan may be better for you than another plan. So I, I just encourage people to really do their research and not just be swayed by, you know, what somebody may tell them. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, so now are there any websites or phone numbers or social media you recommend people follow to kind of keeping the know of, of Medicare and the plans. Yeah. So Medicare.gov is a, is a good one because everything really is there. It's like a one-stop shopping. 
medicare.gov. And then um, I'll give you guys a Medicare number. Give me one second that you can actually call to get information because I know some seniors are not online. Right. And so people, we do need the opportunity to be able to make a phone call. Some people just are not as savvy or some people don't have access to internet service as well. And they just need That's to be able right. to make that phone call. That's right. So I'm going to give, so this is the number for the social security office. So if they need to, when I said earlier, um, they're getting ready to turn 65 and they have not gotten their Medicare A and B yet. This is the number that you guys are going to call. And it's the social security office and most of their appointments are now virtual. So you can just do it over the phone. You don't have to actually go into an office, which is helpful. Um, so the number is 1-800-772-1213. Again, the social security office to apply and get your Medicare A and B. And again, if you're turning 65, you don't even have to apply. You just tell them your name, your birth date, your social security number, make sure you're talking to the social security office. And the number is 1-800-772-1213. All right. So now are there, is there a contact number um, website in order if they want to follow up with you or Cigna that they can reach out to? Yeah, so they can they can reach out to me directly. And my phone number is 470 470- Three seven three seven one seven zero, and I'm Callie Bradford. So that's in case you forgot from earlier, Callie Bradford, and my number again is four seven zero three seven three seven one seven zero. And I want to give you all my email, but it's like such a lengthy email. And then I'm going to tell a little bit about myself that I don't normally tell people. You get like my full full name. <laughs> But I'll give it to y'all because we all friends here, right? <laughs> Michelle already said earlier, we're family. So I'll give it to y'all. Um, so my email address is cholesterol, C-A-L-E, S as in Sam, T as in toy, R-O. So cholesterol.bradford, B-R-A-D-F-O-R-D at Cigna.com. So C-A-L-E-S-T-R-O dot Bradford, B-R-A-D-F-O-R-D at Cigna.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Callie, for such great information. Callie Bradford from Cigna Medicare Advantage, and we appreciate you and all that you're doing. Um, Thank you for being here. And I just a quick reminder that open enrollment every year is October the 15th through December the 7th. So um, if you're planning for that age of 65 or you are already there, is your opportunity to review and make sure that these plans are appropriate for you and helping you and your family the way that, that it needs to. Okay. So we just want to remind our listeners that our Family Caregiver Expo is on November the 20th. And you can find out more information and register for the expo at callforcaring.org. This event will be filled with vendors like Callie Bradford from Cigna. Um, We have other home-based resources, a speaker series, disease-specific education, virtual dementia tours, COVID testing and vaccines, and then just to be able to be treated special as a family caregiver. And so that's what we want to be able to do for you. So we're hoping, we're hoping that you're able to join us. We are having a virtual as well in, in person 
venues. And this is the Call for Caring on Purpose podcast. It's a part of the Finding Your Forte channel on Up To Me Radio at www.uptomeradio.com. It can be heard via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and now Amazon Music. So we hope today's episode for a call for caring on purpose met our goal to educate, elevate, and empower caregivers during their caregiver journey. Thank you. Thank you.